Welcome to the 4-Hour Show powered by the KidsWearCrowns.com. This week I'm going to be talking about the NBA draft, a couple of albums that dropped this previous week, and a disturbing trend that I saw from one of the week's biggest stories. But first... Who's more crooked than one time? Yeah, yeah, check. Is my mic on? That's a twilight zone. Yeah, come on. My mind state rewinds, wakes, and fast forwards bullets, making a beeline for my fake. My mind state. My mind state. What up, what up? Um, Sorry for this episode uh, being so late in the week. Uh, but I'm doing this for two reasons. Number one, uh, this past weekend I was in Birmingham visiting with my family. My nieces are in town, so um, I was visiting with them. And two, Saturday when I got back, uh, I got in the mood to write. So put up a couple posts on the kidswearcrowns.com. You can check those out. One of them being a review of Mike Shinoda's album, Post Traumatic. And another one uh, talking about streamings basically becoming the new record labels. Um, I talked about that on the last episode, uh, something I, I pieced together while looking at Chance's, uh, meteoric rise in 2016 and here we are 18 months later, uh, and that's basically coming to fruition. So, uh, you know, I included the updated links of Apple going into the publishing game and Spotify reportedly offering artists advance for exclusive rights. Uh, to their music so um both of those pieces are up check them out uh the other reason that this episode is so late is because i'm not recording an episode this weekend um i will be in birmingham again so i'm leaving in the morning to go back over there um we at the kids wear crowns have uh procured a pretty great interview uh, we'll kind of let you know who that is closer to the date, uh, but I'll be over there facilitating that because the interview is actually taking place at my barber shop. So since I'm the one who set up the space, uh, I kind of got to be there. So I figured I would do an episode later in the week so that it wouldn't be two full weeks without an episode. Uh, we'll get back on our regular groove, uh, hopefully next week. So, uh, the NBA draft is actually on as I'm recording this, uh, as far as I know, the 16th pick was just made, and I don't know who the heck was taken, but uh, last pick I saw was Michael Porter Jr. So my TV muted behind me. Uh, a couple things with the NBA draft. Uh, DeAndre Ayton went number one, which is pretty much what everybody expected. Marvin Bagley went second. Uh, the Hawks, surprisingly, uh, they took Luka Doncic, which I think everyone would agree was the best player available at the time. Uh, but they traded him to the Dallas Mavericks and the Mavericks selected Trey Young and they are, uh, including a top five protected first round pick next season. So, uh, I, I, I guess, um, for Dallas, you I guess you get the heir apparent to Dirk at a different position. You're, you're international star. Um, for the Hawks, you get the guy that could potentially be the next Steph Curry. In a city that is probably starved for basketball. You got to figure Dennis Schroeder's gone. Uh, Michael Porter Jr., probably the most talented guy in the draft, ended up going to uh, the Nuggets at 14. Um, 
which that's a gamble for them. But for a team that's been ninth in the playoff race the last two seasons, it's a gamble worth taking. If the kid is healed, you got probably the most talented offensive player in the draft. If he's not, oh well. I mean, there's not many guys that were available there that probably could have helped you right now anyway. So I'm pissed off because uh, my Hornets... Uh, brought in Mitch Kupchak to be the GM, which you figured Mitch Kupchak is a competent GM. He studied at the foot of of, of Jerry West and Dr. Jerry Buss and was uh, one of the architects of the Lakers run but from the time Kobe got there uh, till it tailed off there at the end. And he, he drafts Shea Gilgis Alexander from Kentucky, which I'm like, OK, cool, 6'6 six, six point guard. Uh, somebody who can play behind Kimba if we decide we want to trade Kimba and he can be on the floor with Malik Monk because, and I'm a Hornets fan, by the way, if you don't know that, he can be on the floor with Malik Monk because Malik Monk is a six foot one, two, they list him as six, three, but he's probably about six foot, six foot one defensively limited guard, but he can score. So you have to have a bigger guard out there to allow him to play. Um, so I'm like, cool, I like this pick. They're both Kentucky guys, both played, probably can build up some sort of rapport if this kid Alexander can learn how to shoot. You know, Kimba's less needed, right? Because there's rumors that Kupchak wants to move Kimba to get out from under Batum's contract. We just traded away Dwight Howard and took on the albatross that is Timofey Mozgov's contract. Ugh. But it avoids us paying the luxury tax this season, which Michael Jordan doesn't want to pay the luxury tax this season. So I'm thinking, cool, if we can draft the point guard, we can get somebody in here uh, and trade Kimba and go full rebuild, get out from under that $120 million Batum contract that we stupidly gave him. And we trade the pick to the Clippers for Miles Bridges. And two second round picks. If you don't know who Miles Bridges is, Miles Bridges played at Michigan State University. Is a limited shooter. And is a 6'6 small forward who probably would be better playing power forward. So we basically got a small forward with limited shooting ability, but he's athletic and can defend. Do you know who the fuck we already have on the team that can do that? Michael Kidd-Gilchrist. In a draft where we passed up the likes of Damian Lillard uh, to take him. That's just one of the many players we passed up on to take Michael Kidd-Gilchrist. So we're compounding a mistake by drafting another mistake. Mind you, Michael Porter Jr. was still on the board. If you're going to swing like that, I would have much rather them to have taken Michael Porter Jr. He's got a fucked up back, but he's the most talented player in the draft. Last season, we passed on probably the best player in the draft, Donovan Mitchell, to take Malik Monk. Don't get me wrong, I'm a Malik Monk fan, but Donovan Mitchell would have been a much better player for us last season than Malik Monk. So either we're either A hoping that Malik Monk magically learns how to play point guard this summer so that we can move on from Walker and Batum, or B, we're thinking that we're just going to go 39 and 43 and miss the playoffs and end up out of the top 10 in the and repeat this whole fucking pro- Like, I thought the entire point of Mitch Kupchak coming in was to not, because, like, reportedly Jordan walked in when they were like, hey, we're taking Malik Monk. I mean, we're taking uh, Donovan Mitchell, and he said, no, you're taking Malik Monk. 
I thought the entire point of Mitch Kupchak being here was to stop us from doing this dumb shit. And here we are taking the athletic small forward for what? Because he can switch on defense? We need perimeter shooting. Bad. Like, badly need perimeter shooting. And we just took a guy who can't shoot. When a guy who's 6'11 and can fucking shoot, he's got a fucked up back. But hey, he's fucking talented and we could probably get some trade. No one wants my, no one wants Miles fucking Bridges. That's why he was a two and done. He wasn't even good enough to be a one and done. He was a two and done and we just drafted this guy. So now we got another fucking athletic guy who can't shoot on our fucking team. Thank you, Mitch Kupchak. I would have rather Michael Jordan handled the fucking draft than you. What are you thinking about? I, I, I legit do not understand. Like, I was all in on the cup check coming in. Like, cool. You know, we hired somebody from the Spurs organization. Great. When you're drafting at 11, you got to get some value. When you traded back one pick to get two second round picks, what the fuck do we need with two second round picks? Please tell me. You couldn't even get a player of value from the Clippers. You couldn't get Tobias Harris, Lou Williams, Pat Beverly, somebody. That can actually play? No, you wanted fucking two second round. What are we doing with two second round picks? We got two second round picks from the Nets for taking on that fucking Mozgov contract. So now we got four second round picks. What are we doing with second round picks? Hoping that Chris Middleton or Draymond Green pops up in the second round. of Like, what are you doing? I need someone to tell me what the fuck Mitch Kupchak is doing. Because you're doing worse than Jordan's ass when he comes in the draft room, drunk off fucking Hennessy, just picking people. Turning down four picks from Boston to fucking take Frank bum-ass Kaminsky. We haven't had a good draft pick since Kimball Walker. Malik Monk notwithstanding, because we don't know what he can be yet. We gave Cody Zeller $40 million. We gave Nick Batum $120 million. We just took on $40 million of Timofey Mozgov's contract. And the only way we can get from out from under those is to trade the best player, arguably, in franchise history in Kimball Walker. And you don't even have the, the wherewithal to draft his replacement? To draft somebody that can run his position? I love Malik Monk. Unless Malik Monk can learn to play point guard over the summer, this was a dumb-ass move. We have 6-6 six, six dudes that can switch on defense that can't shoot. The, the Julian Stones of the world. We have those dudes. What do we need with Miles Bridges? Please, we didn't even work out this dude. Like, what the fuck is this team doing? I was just fucking stupid. Like, I'm, I'm so, I had like a, a glimmer of hope. I'm like, you know, maybe we can get Colin Sexton. Maybe we can get SGA. Maybe Trey Young slips. But at least we've got a way to get a point guard of the future. There's no way we're walking away from this draft. Like, this reminds me of when I was a fan of the Bulls. And every season we didn't take a point guard when Derrick Rose, hoping Derrick Rose was going to come back from his ACL, like pre-ACL Derrick Rose. And every year we didn't. We would take the likes of Bobby Portis. And we lucked out on Jimmy Butler. But that was pre, you know, Rose tearing his ACL. And we took we, the one year we swung on dumb on bum ass Marquise Teague, the idiot Teague brother. Like I'm 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 almost on the verge of going to be a of going, going to be a Golden State fan. Like what the fuck, man? 
Like, I went to the Hornets because I'm like, yo, you niggas suck, but, like, there's upside for the future. And they keep signing people to terrible contracts and making stupid fucking... What are we doing with Miles? Someone tell me what Miles Bridges does well outside of slash and finish in the lane. That's great on a team that creates space. Where is the spacing coming from with Charlotte? Kimba, like, okay, you play Kimba Batum and Monk and Bridges all at once to create enough space, and maybe Kaminsky? Like, is that what you're doing to create the space for Bridges to be an effective player? Because that seems to be the only way that we could do that. And then you've got two undersized guards on the floor who cannot defend and need the ball in order to be able to score. So that makes Nick Batum less effective. Like, like what, like, what do we, I just need someone from the Hornets to, and it, it's terrible that the Hornets are such a small team because like, I can't even get a reaction from what these dumb at, like, let me, let me, let me fucking see what, what is going on on the Hornets Twitter page. Cause I'm like, really like, no. And uh, welcome miles bridges to Buzz city. He averaged 17, seven and two. He can't fucking shoot. This is not the mid-2000s NBA where you could have dudes who couldn't shoot, but they were athletic. Like, you don't do that anymore. This isn't that NBA. If he was that good, he would have came out last season. I don't understand, man. <laughs> I, I, I don't get it, man. I, I, I don't get it, man. Um... Back to the albums that came out this weekend. Uh, Mike Shinoda, um, I really enjoyed his album. Uh, like I said, the review's up on thekidswearcrowns.com. It's a journey. It's an emotional journey. And the album is very much that. If you're unaware, Mike Shinoda is a member of Linkin Park. He is most well-known as their rapper. But he's also their guitarist and keyboard player and producer and designer. He does a lot with them. Very talented guy. Uh, a few years ago, he debuted solo as Fort Minor. It's when he dropped that song, Remember the Name. If you watched the NBA playoffs in like 2005, you heard that song all over the place, Where'd You Go, uh, with Skylar Gray and, and Jonah Montrenega, whatever the fuck his name is. Very talented dude. So the lead singer of Linkin Park, Chester Bennington, took his own life last year. Um... And he and Mike were not just bandmates, but became friends. You know, you don't get that kind of vocal interplay between those two and the way they write together without them being close and being friends. So obviously it had a drastic effect on Mike. So after they did the Chester Bennington benefit show, the tribute show, uh, Mike began releasing songs. He initially released three songs called the Post Traumatic EP and then decided to step back and do a whole album. It's about 17 tracks, I think. And it just kind of takes you through his journey about loss. And if you're someone that's dealt with loss, you should listen to this album. Um, but you can check out the whole review on the thekidswearcrowns.com. Uh, I really like the album, even if it's not something you'll listen to regularly. If you're someone that's dealt with loss, someone that's dealing with grief, that is an album that you should listen to. Um, J-Rock's album, really good. Really good. I thoroughly enjoyed J-Rock's album. Ronnie hit me on, on Friday and was like, ah, I'm not feeling it. And I was headed to the barbershop. I was like, you know what? I'm going to throw it in and listen. And uh, I listened to it in the car. And it's definitely a car album 
over a headphone album. Um, it knocks in the car, but it's very well put together. And the thing I love the most about it is Kendrick. You can tell Kendrick was in on this album. Like he was in there working with J-Rock. Um, and if you don't know that story, J-Rock was initially supposed to be the guy of TDE. Kendrick, Soul, and Q, they were kind of ancillary artists, but J-Rock was the, the label's focus. And when it became clear that Kendrick was going to be the star, J-Rock graciously stepped aside. And Kendrick became the dude. So to hear Kendrick all over this album doing doing backing vocals, you know, doing ad libs. Uh, it's just great to see. That's how you can tell that. That's the reason TDE keeps winning because they're really a family. You can tell everyone in TDE wanted to get this done for J Rock after that uh, horrific motorcycle accident that he suffered. Um, and glad to see him back on 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 the road to recovery. Glad to see his album doing well. People are loving that album. Uh, there's a documentary out about it. Um, it's just, it's just great. And from from everything I hear, J Rock is an amazing dude. Like he's a super nice guy. Um, so I'm really, really happy that uh, his album has uh, gotten such great reception. Um, oh, and I go back to Post Traumatic. Mike Shinoda reminds y'all that he can rap a better rap better than a lot of these MCs on IOU. That's one of those tracks where Mike is like, yo, I, I, I know it's like novelty for me to rap, but like, yo, I can really rap. And he reminds you on IOU. Um, Nas's album dropped. I didn't listen to that. My dad texted me and told me to listen to it. I was kind of like, eh. Um, namely because he, he, I haven't heard him really respond to Khalees' accusations, but it's kind of hard to listen to an album fresh off of a woman saying that you beat her ass the entirety of the relationship. Not to mention all of the, Nas being as pro-black as he is and then turning around and agreeing to work with Kanye kind of rubs me the wrong way. I try not to give Kanye any fucking attention, but Kanye is a fucking coon. He's a fucking Uncle Tom. And it's like, I can understand Pusha T working with him. You're signed to his label. Yeah, Kanye's at Def Jam, but, and Nas is at Def Jam, but you didn't have to work with him. So you deciding that you're going to work with this dude after the dumb shit that he said to me is kind of like, eh, I got to kind of start side-eyeing you a little bit. So I didn't listen, but the big surprise this weekend was the Carters dropping their album, Hov and B. Uh, they dropped Everything is Love, and initially I was like, oh, I don't want to fucking hear a joint album between them because their songs typically aren't that great together. I mean, there's a few exceptions, you know, Crazy in Love, uh, 03, Bonnie and Clyde is cool. Um, you know, every once in a while they'll drop a record. It's like, okay, that's, that's all right. But then they have like the Shinings and the Hollywoods. and this. So I listened to it begrudgingly at work on Sunday and I liked it. Initially, I was kind of snipping through it and I heard trap beats and I'm like, I never want to hear Jay-Z on trap beats. He's damn near 50 years old. I don't want to hear Hove on trap beats. But surprisingly enough, Hove holds his own. B is rapping and singing her ass off on this album. And it's kind of a nice end to the trilogy that was Lemonade 444 and Everything is Love. You got Beyonce's side of the story. You got Hov's side of the story. And then you got them coming together. And it's it's great. You know, some people feel a way about it. But I actually enjoyed the album. It was pretty good. Um, at the, the end, uh, <laughs> the ending, the outro of the track, uh, you know, 
whole telling Beyonce to chill. You know what I'm saying? Um, Beyonce ex- executed Amigos reference track uh, brilliantly with ape shit. Uh, Hove was spitting on, uh, uh, I think it's 713 that Hove was rapping really well on. So, you know, it was nice to hear Hove, like, rap really well on this album despite being at that age. And uh, it's really cool to see somebody that's 48 years old still keeping up. And uh, it's really dope to hear, uh, you know, Beyonce execute that versatility and to hear them kind of together. Like, I I like the interplay. Like, I, I brought up, you know, the the, the interplay, between, the vocal interplay between uh, Chester and Mike uh, of Linkin Park. And, you know, obviously Styles and, and, and Kiss are one of the great uh, back and forth vocal interplay uh, duos. And, and Hov and B had great back and forth. I loved it. It, it was awesome. I, I I like this album. I don't know if it's something I listen to regularly, but I wouldn't be mad if I was writing somewhere and like, you know, I'm, I'm with a girl and she cuts it on. Like, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't immediately be like, oh, why are you playing this shit? That was a good album. Um, So, yeah, that that's kind of my 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 light topics this week. Um, Take a quick break and we'll be back because I have a heavier topic that I want to touch on and uh, I need to kind of break it up uh, a little bit. So be back in a second. Uh, so I have no doubt in my mind that um, <laughs> the the Charlotte Hornets Twitter account is going to block me soon because uh, I've been in their mentions calling uh, Miles Bridges a bag of trash and asking to fire Mitch Kupchak. Uh, both, I think, are pretty reasonable reactions to this because apparently Mitch Kupchak said he's the player that we targeted and he's who we had our eye on the entire time. Uh, we had him ranked highest on the board. Michael Porter Jr. was still on the board. What do you mean? You, I'm sorry, man. I just got myself worked up again. Um, <coughs> so this next topic I want to touch on is uh is is pretty serious, and um, I'm glad I waited uh, a couple of days before I recorded this podcast because my initial reaction probably would have been filled with a lot more anger, um, and I want to come across this measured on this topic is measured. So a young rapper was shot and killed in Florida. I will not say his name um, because I will not give him any more attention. But if you know who it is, then you know who I'm discussing. So when it happened, I tweeted out. No one needs to say anything. You don't have to say anything bad. You don't have to say anything good. Let this happen. One of my reasonings for that is. A lot of times when there's outrage about something, it can fuel the popularity of that thing, right? In this instance, I knew that outrage would be met with praise. And that's exactly what happened. I'm going to try to be as nice with this as possible while still executing my point. So let me first say, I don't begrudge anyone that is that is sending condolences to this uh, young young man's family, anyone who is uh, wishing that he may rest in peace, although where he's resting probably isn't really peaceful. I don't begrudge anyone that was not upset at his death or even celebrated. I'm not the type of person that will celebrate death, but given what this young man has been accused of and even seen doing and seen saying, 
I'm not going to begrudge anyone that was happy that a person of his caliber was not on this planet or is not on this planet any longer. What I do have an issue with is you niggas that were out here defending this motherfucker's character. This dude is was a reprehensible human being. And that's putting it nicely. I don't want to hear that he was only 20 and that he was trying to change his ways. The shit this nigga did while he was on this earth. Reprehensible. That's why I said he's probably not resting in a peaceful place if there's an afterlife. I don't give a fuck what kind of music he made. I don't give a fuck that he touched the youth. He should have never been in a position to touch the fucking youth with the shit that he was accused of. Breaking a pregnant woman's eye sockets, threatening to stick a barbecue fork in her vagina, punching her in the head on camera. Oh, no, 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 no. Calling and coercing her to change and drop her testimony and drop her charges. Even though even though the, the district attorney's office completely went after those charges because they believed that there was enough evidence to prove that he did this. So for all you niggas out there saying she dropped the charges, let's not act like the fucking justice system is perfect. All you stupid ass niggas that said he was never found guilty, the charges were dropped as if cops don't be on camera killing black people every fucking week. And walking scot-free, you niggas got a lot of fucking nerve to be defending the justice system right now. You can say rest in peace without defending this motherfucker. He was a person of terrible character. And for all you stupid motherfuckers, your T-Pains, your Jadenas, I'm calling you stupid. Because what you've displayed is stupidity with this fucking topic. How dare you? Try to compare this man to Malcolm X. How are you kidding me? For, for those unaware, Jadena tweeted out that if Malcolm X had been killed at 20, he would have been remembered as an abuser and a thief and all kinds of other things. And that's probably true. But are we really about to sit here and act like that the majority of abusers change? Particularly those with wealth and fame? Are we really about to act like that? Has R. Kelly changed any? No, right? He's gotten worse. Right? So let me ask you, you, you people out there this, and you can tweet at me at four underscore eyes. If a white person had come out and said that about Dylan Roof, that he was young and he should be given a chance to change. How would you have reacted? That's a serious question. How would you have reacted? Probably not with an open mind. You probably would have said, fuck him, right? Why? Because that affects you. But niggas beating up women don't affect you. That's why you niggas are so quick to defend these niggas. T-Pain bum ass getting on a fucking timeline. Talk about ask your pastor what he was doing at 20. Nigga, if my pastor was beating up women at 20, I wouldn't fucking follow him. That's the point, dipshit. What the fuck are you talking about? What the fuck are you talking about? Why are you going out on a limb to defend this nigga? You, like, and the, the thing that gets me is the sheer fucking stupidity. 
Why can't you just shut the fuck up? Who asked for your fucking opinion? Why are you going so hard to defend this nigga of low character, of low moral qualities? Low moral fiber. Does that mean he deserved to die? No, but he certainly ain't a fucking martyr. He certainly ain't up in heaven right now. And if he is, I don't want to be up there. I don't want to be in heaven with niggas like that. Yeah, we all did dumb shit when we were kids, but me nor nor anyone that I grew up with put their hands on a fucking pregnant woman to the point that she needed surgery to fix her eyes. None of us threatened to put a fucking sharp barbecue utensil on a woman's vagina. So again, please tell me what the fuck you talking about. Please pick your battles more fucking wisely. This ain't even about him. This is about you stupid ass niggas defending him. Trying to make him out to be some kind of fucking martyr. And you idiots talking about, man, the kids loved him. Kids are fucking stupid. The fuck are you talking about? On one hand, you sit up here and say we all did dumb shit as kids. And on another hand, you're saying that it's sad because kids looked up to him. That's a dumb thing that kids do is look up to bad people. He shouldn't be here influencing any more kids because, you know, all that this is teaching kids is that you can do bad shit. But if you make music that people can relate to and the people will look up to, we'll look past it. That's a fucking problem in this society. I've never been one to subscribe to the men are trash uh, shit uh, rhetoric uh, because I believe that people in general are trash. But people with power tend to show their trashness more often, which is why men, because we are typically in positions of power in this society, show that we're trash a whole lot more often than women do because women rarely get that opportunity. But I think people in general are trash and there are women defending this kid as well. But I cannot blame women for thinking that when you niggas will defend people who will abuse them. Why? Because it does not affect you. And this is where the fucking problem comes in. You didn't have to say anything. You did not have to defend this man's character. You could have said you're resting peace and gone on about your fucking business. Why would you go to such great lengths to defend someone that has done terrible things? And stop equating this to a mistake. Abuse isn't a mistake. It's a conscious fucking decision. You are talking to someone who has dealt with mental health issues, who has dealt with anger issues. I ain't never laid my hands on a woman. So please stop making it about that. Stop trying to equate all of us in this bucket with him. That nigga had a fucking problem. A problem he never got help for. Am I celebrating his death? Absolutely not. That ain't my place to do something like that. But I am judging you stupid motherfuckers that are out here defending this nigga. And then you niggas got the nerve to try to compare him to Maya Angelou like selling pussy hurt anybody. If you don't get the fuck out of here. That nigga was a menace to society. And whatever strides he was making to change, he didn't get to make them. But the fact of the matter is, he did what he did. The record is here. You can't what if this shit. This isn't LeBron in the finals, nigga. This isn't some fucking hypothetical of what if LeBron played in the 90s. 
Or if you swap Jordan and LeBron, whose teams would have more championships. This isn't that. This is real life. And what that nigga did had real life consequences. The shit that he was starting had real life consequences. And the consequences occurred. So I don't want to hear what he could have become. We know what he was. Button on his podcast got mad at Peter Rosenberg because Rosenberg said he was no angel. That's true. He was not an angel. Why are you mad at Peter Rosenberg for telling the truth? Are you mad because he did it in front of company, as you put it, in front of conservative white people who are not a part of the culture? I can understand that. I I guess I can get that. But why are people mad that people are telling the truth about this young man? Who he was. It's on record what he's done. There's a YouTube video of him punching a girl in the side of the head. A woman he was dating. He had issues. So I don't give a fuck if you liked his music. I don't give a fuck about people who say it's sad because he was a mental. There's plenty of other mental health advocates out here that aren't doing that kind of shit. And a lot of you niggas are out here proving every day that you just fucking hate women for some reason. And I don't understand it. But I pray for the people out there who somehow wanted to take whatever energy they had to defend that reprehensible human being. I'm going to be watching y'all's tweets the next time some racist shit happens and see if you got that same motherfucking energy. Because I bet you a lot of y'all won't. Everybody has a different line of what they'll tolerate or support. Some shit, when it's blatant like that, you can't fucking support it. And if you do, I'm going to be looking at you funny. Because what that tells me is that we don't value the same shit. And at this point in my life, at age 30, I'm not supporting anyone or anything that's not of shit that I value. Period. Talked about Nas earlier. I need Nas to address what... Khalees said about him you can't just walk away from that dog you made a whole album about your marriage falling apart and then we come to find out that you was apparently beating her ass the whole time that wasn't in life is good my nigga you talk this pro-black shit you out here running with a trump supporter my nigga i need to know what's good with you before i can put any spins on your album before i can support anything that you doing out here dog So again, my beef ain't with the people who was wishing him, who was wishing condolences, who was saying rest in peace. My issue isn't even with people who are fans of his music. My issue is with the people who were defending his actions. That is my problem. That is my beef. You were trying to find loopholes to to make your point when you could have just said rest in peace and shut the fuck up. But Jadena T-Pain and and Jadena tried to clean his shit up still too late. Jadena T-Pain, you will never have my support on any fucking thing with that fuck shit you two niggas was out here doing. Just imagine a black person saying that shit about Dylan Roof. Y'all have all kinds of coon emojis up and tap dancing shits up and rightfully so. 
But what you niggas sound like, particularly T-Pain, ask your dad if he ever hit your mama. Ask, ask, ask your pastor what he was doing at 20 years old. You, you sound like you was beating women's asses, dude. And that's a goddamn shame if that was the case. Because a lot of you niggas, when shit like this happens and niggas start getting called out for they fuck shit and y'all dumb niggas start defending the shit, you motherfuckers sound guilty. That's what you sound like. And that's a goddamn shame if that's the case. A lot of y'all gonna learn to shut the fuck up when ain't nobody asking you for your opinion right then and there. But what it is, is you niggas get guilty consciences when you see women going in on this nigga and you decide that you want to jump in because you feel guilty. Because you know if your punk ass would have died at that age, the same shit would have came out about you. And what it says about you is you can't keep your fucking hands to yourself. It says you a fucking chump. It says that you bitch made. That's what it says about you. Y'all tired of the, the, the men are trash narrative. Maybe y'all should stop supporting trash niggas. Maybe y'all should start calling people out. Maybe all the shit that we want white people to start doing for us to not call them racist is the shit that you niggas need to stop doing in order to stop being called trash. I don't get offended at men is trash because I'm not trash. My, the mistakes in my life. Have nothing to do with cheating or putting hands on women. Am I perfect? Absolutely not. But the shit that you niggas be trying to defend and find loopholes around. Let's me know that we were not bred the same. We ain't cut from the same fucking cloth. And I'm happy for that. Anyways, man, that's this week's episode. I don't even feel like talking about shit else because I'm going to get worked up again. Um, Like I said, no new episode next week. Uh, doing an interview over in Birmingham. But we will be back. I don't know what song's going to be playing at the end of this shit. Uh, but it'll be something, man. Uh, peace and blessings. Be kind to everyone around you. You never know what people are going through. Um, I might do a mental health episode soon um, just to kind of talk about that. Um, I had I had some conversations this past week uh, that let me know that it might be a, a topic worth delving into. Um, but anyways, uh, until next time, make sure you subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Google Play, or the new Google iPods or the new I'm sorry, the new Google Podcast app that just launched. Um, or SoundCloud. Also, make sure you subscribe to the KidsWearCrowns.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Four Eyes. Roman numeral four underscore eyes. Uh, the the podcast page is being set up. I'm converting an old account. I just have to remember to log in and actually do that shit at some point. Uh, but shout outs to everyone listening. Shout outs to my KWC fam. Uh, shout outs to my fam in general. Uh, but until next time, we'll catch y'all later. Peace. Yo, before everybody wanted to dress like us, 
Who would've known that they were just like us? Before we knew we had a voice, we were just being us, my nigga, we ain't have a choice. Some of us were Jermaine, others went out like Kanye, and crowd treated us like Antoine and Andre. We were the kids that got laughed at when they found out that we kept comics in our backpacks. And to you, that might not be a big thing, but this is way before Spider-Man was on the big screen. See, we were just out here make-believing, off in our own universe like Steven, cause the world wasn't big enough to contain our dreaming. I guess they didn't get it since seeing is believing. We said fuck the rules to society, cause we the same ones that made it cool not to be cool. Tell. This is for my blurs that blurred the lines like Pharrell Oh well yeah, 